Greetings and salutations out there, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide, wonderful, and sometimes beautiful internet out there. It's time for another edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. Your humble host, Michael Shibley, with you here. And of course, it's college football season, so I've got my good buddy, as always, Trey Pack, in the Zencaster studio. Again, we can't, because of COVID and whatnot, can't really do these things in person, but uh, we've got... Trey on the line. Trey, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Not uh, not doing as great as I was last week. I'm very happy that as much as we, we love and care about Chase, I'm very happy he's not on this week with us. Uh, I will say this. I do think that moving forward, I do think we got to get him on here after the week because if we lose the way we did, I think we deserve the 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 lashings. The shamings and everything, yeah. Exactly. And, of course, what Trey is referring to is Chase Dyer, our good friend, a big Georgia Bulldogs fan, as his Georgia Bulldogs took care of Tennessee, pounding them in the second half on their way to a 44-21 victory, where Tennessee led at halftime 21-17 and then didn't score any more points after that as Georgia's defense just wore down Tennessee's offense, couldn't make them do anything. Tennessee's, as we thought, maybe vaunted offensive line, as they're calling themselves the Tennessee Valley Authority. Looks like they sprung a leak or two. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, as and that's my key to the game last week. I said that the reason we were going to win the game was was because of those guys. Um, and I will say this, man, and, and you know, we can dive into it, you know, whenever, however. Uh, what I will say about the offensive line is that. Um, I it was definitely on those five guys, you know, an offensive line. It's tackle to tackle, uh. But I think a lot of the a lot of the sacks, a lot of the turnovers were the total blocking scheme. If that makes any sense, with uh, we seemed like we didn't know what we were doing. Now is that from lack of preparation because of COVID, or is that just because our running backs are are smaller and don't necessarily can't or won't or can't step up and take that blitz? I'm not sure, but I do know this. It was we have too good of an offensive line uh, to for the showing that we had. Yeah, and and that's been the big thing, and it's 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 frustrating because yeah, they had some issues, and again, Tennessee. You look at the team stats: negative one rushing yards. So when you can't run the football, and and again, this is not a Mike Leach coached offense. So when you can't run the football in a league in a game like this, you're not most of the time you're not going to win the game. And that's what happened. It fell on Garantano's shoulders, and Garantano looked great in the first half. I mean, some of those dimes he dropped to Palmer for touchdowns were fantastic. But then in the second half, he didn't make some great decisions. It, it he, he he couldn't secure the ball when he was getting sacked. Now, again, some of that was because of the offensive line, but you got to have that clock in your head. Now, that interception he threw, that was all on him. That was his fault right there. Completely agree. I mean, the, there's a couple of things there that poke a lot of holes in, in, in you know, kind of what's going on. It's, it's I, you remember the Josh Dobbs days, you know, and Garantano oh, no. is obviously no Josh Dobbs. Um, but if you think about some of the offensive lines that Dobbs had to play behind, uh, it was abysmal. I mean, it, it, yeah. it was a nightmare for years. And Dobbs was able, because he was such a good decision maker, not just because he was a great runner, but he was such a good decision maker and was able to make plays happen and extend plays that he made up for a lot of that. Um, and that's just something that Garantano doesn't have the ability to do. Is that uh, and that's that should never that's never an excuse for a team because yep. I mean you have to block and you have to tackle that's how you win football games, but a a good quarterback can make up for a lot of uh, the issues we're having up front or that we had up front that game, and Garantano's is not there, man. And, and I don't know if you've seen this shit, but I'm sure you have. But uh, you know how much of a Brian Mauer guy I am. He entered the transfer portal today. Yeah. And that's, you know, and again, Maurer, of course, the, I mean, he had that thing. I don't, I don't know if you remembered, he talked about, he was thinking about 
killing himself because uh, he came out with that big post about that uh, after the season. Did you hear about that? I did. I did. It was yeah. very, um, very, uh, very good on, on. He's just such a good kid, man. I mean, yeah. to, to share that kind of struggle with the world on such a scale that he had. Um, very good on him. I think uh, I think we're losing a really, really good one, man. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, he, I thought my personal opinion after watching him through a couple of games was I thought he had the potential to be the next Menzel. Um, so we'll see where he ends up. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I was going to say the reason I kind of brought up that was just because I think maybe again, he's not getting the playing time because Garantano's the guy right now, but I think maybe too for a mental health thing, maybe getting out of here too would be a good thing thing as well because sometimes that change of scenery can really help for sure man and yeah you're 100 right now from again i've got uh i've got some insider information as always where i've got some friends that work you know close to the team um a, a big reason for this decision from what i've heard is that uh they explored some other options at quarterback uh yesterday and today and Harrison Bailey got almost every snap that wasn't Garantano. Right. And so, again, when you kind of see it slipping away, and, and and you've still got, and especially because you're not losing a year of eligibility, even if you get in the game this year. So why not just hit the transfer portal and see a place where maybe you can get some playing time? I honestly give all those guys that opportunity if if that's what they're wanting. Yep, 100%. Now again, the good thing is, is I think that Harrison Bailey, um, I think he, I think he's gonna be the guy. You know what I mean? I yeah. think he's, he's could be the next Ainge. He, you know, he he's really that type of quarterback, um, or definitely was in high school, and, and they say he's progressing right along. Um, so I mean, my question for you, Shibley, I mean, as long as, as you've been, uh, you know, a, an expert on Tennessee football. Uh, when do you make a change at quarterback? Because, I mean, I, I'm, obviously I'm not putting all of this on Garantano by any means because, like I said, it starts up front. Yep. But I, I do think at some point uh, it has to fall on Garantano. And like and Pruitt keeps saying, Garantano's our guy. He gives us the best chance to win. Is it all Garantano's fault? Because if that's the best option we have, it's got to fall on coaching at some point. It does, and again, that's that weird relationship you always seem to have. A lot of times now, you've got a coach and a quarterback. Is it, it especially in the NFL, where of course you've got Belichick and Brady, or you had that until Brady left, and of course you you know you've got Drew Brees and Sean Payton there in New Orleans, where you've got these people who are just linked to, together forever. But that seems to be the way in college too, where you go with a guy. And that's it seems like what Pruitt is doing. He does seem to be the best chance to win the game, but I think again, it comes down to what's gonna happen if Garantano say struggles in games that Tennessee is supposed to win, like right. coming up this week against Kentucky. I think that's when you look at it. if he's having issues there, you're gonna have to go with somebody. Because again, it, it didn't fully surprise me especially after watching what Georgia's defensive line was even doing just to stop the run game, what they were kind of able to do, especially in that second half. Again, I'm not putting all of those turnovers on Garantano. I'm not going to do that. But again, he is a fifth-year senior. That's why especially that interception frustrated me because a fifth-year senior should not be doing that. So, right. Yeah, and I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody you know has interceptions. But he is not playing well enough when mm-hmm. he's not making those mistakes to justify keep him, keeping him in. Right, and that's right. the thing. Because if, ten- if Tennessee, and again, it's this whole thing of, and we're wanting it to happen, Tennessee moved to that next level of to be and be able to compete for a full game, not just a half, against Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. And Tennessee, again, that eight-game winning streak was great, but when four of those games are two games each against South Carolina and Missouri, and then you throw in a Kentucky team, Vanderbilt, what Charlotte and Indiana, you, it's not the same as 
beating a Georgia or a Florida or an Alabama. So, again, if he struggles next week here against Kentucky in this upcoming game, especially with Alabama looming, you might have to put somebody else in to get a look and at least see what you might have with that person. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I mean, with, with Maurer being gone, I definitely uh, anticipated him kind of being the next man up. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, from all from everything I've heard, it, it's going to be Bailey, um, which I'm super excited about. But I was impressed with JT Shroud the little bit that we saw of him. Um, but I think at this point, uh, your offense cannot just be that stagnant as it was against Georgia. And I understand he threw two two great passes to Palmer in the first half. So I, I don't know, man. It's it's such a weird such a weird season already, and we're. Th- three games in yeah and I mean I think that was almost though the way it was going to end up just be just the way you've got with COVID and everything going especially because Missouri and Vanderbilt that game's been postponed I know there were a lot of people out there touting how the SEC was able to get three full weeks of football in without any postponements I mean there were some people that were almost bragging that that was happening and it's 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 going to happen and it did and even today florida suspended all practice activities because i think they've had five positive covid tests so it could be happening as the weather starts to cool off we'll kind of go and see and we'll talk about some of these other games here but yeah this season's just been crazy you've got kentucky up next which is weird because usually kentucky's in november which is always odd, and then you've got Alabama, which right after that. So, again, I think Tennessee's season could really be defined in these next two weeks as what happens. Is it going to just be kind of the middling thing we've been expecting? With, I mean, you and I both think about six and four. I know I think that. You've got them winning the East. Um, <laughs> so... But then, again, if they beat Kentucky, that's great. But then if they still struggle against Alabama, then this team has almost defined itself as it's still just kind of middle of the road in the SEC East. Yep. Uh, yeah, that you nailed it. I mean, we're we're better than the – you know, we were in the company with the Missouris and the Vandys, and, and you know, we were, uh, you know, had, playing tough games against those guys last year, the year before last. Um so, yeah, I mean, we're definitely separating ourselves from that pack. But, that, I mean, that's not where Tennessee belongs, man. Tennessee belongs in that, that upper, you know, uh, that upper room, so to speak. Yeah, definitely in the upper echelon. That's where we loved being for so long. But, again, the first step was you got to take care of South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. Take care of them, then we'll start worrying about everybody else. So, we'll see. We'll talk a little bit more about this Kentucky game upcoming when we make our picks. But let's just kind of run through some of the other games that happened over the weekend. Uh, First here in the SEC, Texas A&M. This was a shocker, I think, to both of us. Texas A&M came out and beat Florida there in uh, in Aggieland, 41-38, showing again. Defense might be, besides Georgia, might be going by the wayside in the SEC this season. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, you're definitely surprised. Um, uh, Very happy to see it. You know, anytime Florida can take an SEC loss they weren't expecting is always a good thing, you know, for, for that fight in the East for us. Um, but, I mean, I think it showed a lot of the vulnerabilities of Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. They got in a shootout um, with an A&M team that, that is good but is not great. You know what I mean? It's Jimbo Fisher has not won those games at A&M yet and, and finally pulled one off. So, I mean, good on him. Um, anytime I can see Florida lose, it, it's great for me, even if it is surprising. Agreed. Now, of course, one of the things that seemed to stem from that is uh, that Dan Mullen went right after the game and almost said part of the reason that the Aggies won was because of the great home field advantage they had. And he's pushing for uh, the university at Florida to allow them to have a full a full swamp there for the game against LSU coming up this week. And it's one of those things where, yeah, the Aggies made a lot of noise, but even looking at the the photos and everything, you're still not at full capacity. And part of me, I'm just like, I'm just not risking that when, again, you're seeing cases start to go up, even here 
in Knoxville, cases have gone up a little bit the last couple of days. So it's something where you're like, ah, I just, I don't want to risk having that many people in one place. No, 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I get both points of view. I'm, I definitely agree with you. I think that, you know, we've got to, to continue to social distance to, until they have a better grasp on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, uh, I, I, I think there should be a an SEC-wide mandate, and there may be a, a marking that off at 25%. Um, and there has to be some sort of repercussion for not doing that. Right. A&M, A&M was not full. Like, it was not the full 12th man. Yeah. But it was 10 and a half of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. It, it was – I mean, I would say it was closer to 60 or 70% full. It, it, it very well could be. And I know – I think for this game, you know, the Georgia-Auburn game looked a little more full definitely than this Tennessee – uh, Georgia game did there between the hedges. Do you think one of the reasons that it seems like the defenses are having so much problems be- besides the way this season started and how it's been going and the limited amount of practices, do you also think some of that is the fact that there's a lack almost of a home field advantage with the crowds only still being just a quarter or a third full and not being able to make as much noise for the home team? Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting um, point. I, I had not thought of that yet, Shibley. That's that's very that's very interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, potentially. Uh, I mean, really, but I mean, uh, it, it's really hard to say. I would say it, if that is any sort of contributing factor, if we're looking at a percent, it's it's below five percent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's not. Yeah, home field advantage gives you know puts an offense in some tough situations when you're the away team, but not to the degree that we're seeing. Um, but I mean, yeah, if I don't know, these kids were. I, I will say that a crowd will definitely energize a defense. One hundred percent, it'll definitely affect the way you play. Yeah, these kids have so much to play for just for the fact that they thought they weren't going to play. So if if you need seventy five more thousand people to play one hundred and ten percent, you're in the wrong game. That is true. I like that. I like uh, where you come down on that because again, the the theory with that goes it just shows that there's just no defense at all going on right now, and that's proven even with LSU and Missouri. I am surprised that Bo Pelini was even allowed on the bus to go back to Baton Rouge after Missouri hung 45 on LSU and beats the defending national champions 45-41. It's the first time since Michigan in 1998 that the defending national champions have gone one and two to start a season. Yeah, I, it blows my mind. I don't know. I watched that game. Um and I, I don't know if you noticed the uh, the SEC Network Extra channel, like the the one you know, yeah. They played the game immediately, so I was I watched it back to back almost. Yeah. Um, and just watching that game, man. I mean, it was unreal how Missouri just kept answering and answering and answering and answering, which makes me feel really great about the way we played them. You know, it was never really a ball game. So I don't know. Like I said, this week we're three weeks into the to the what I love to say the real football season. Yeah, uh, we're three weeks in, and it's it's just a nightmare. Yeah, it's logistical betting and picking things. I did not do well on my bets this week. Oh so. no, I lost, I lost so much money, <laughs> man. But I mean, you you almost wonder, and that's what a lot of people are questioning: Is Ed Orgeron going to almost be the next Gene Chizik? Like where it comes to you catch lightning in the bottle like Chiswick did with Cam Newton when Auburn won their national championship. Is it the same thing where Ed Orgeron just gets Joe Burrow and just gets a team that's just going to be above and beyond anything you could imagine and then it just comes all crashing down after that? I I personally don't think so, but you know me. I'm an Orgeron guy. I always have one. I wish... Uh, I wish we could have, I would love to have had him, loved to have had him. I know words, uh, you know, here on the deal, that would have been great. Um, 
But yeah, I do. I do think he caught lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrow. You know, we, we can argue till we're blue in the face. I think he had arguably yep. the best college football season ever. Yep. Uh, by quarterback. Um, but I do, man. It's, we're, we're talking about LSU. This isn't Auburn. LSU is always going to recruit well. They're going to dominate Louisiana, which is just all Louisiana does is produce high school talent. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think LSU will always recruit well. Do I think they're going to continue? Do I think they'll dominate the West anytime soon? As soon as Nick Saban retires, we can talk about that. But until then, it's going to be Alabama and the West. And, and may, But I do think that LSU is going to be – they're not going to be Texas. LSU will right. be back. That's true. I agree with that. You know, speaking of Gene Chizik, who, boy, the Gus bus almost – Ended up with another flat tire against Arkansas. On the, did you see the controversial play there right at the end of the game with Auburn and the quarterback and the spike? Yeah, with Bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was such a weird play, man. I do think the refs missed it. Yeah, um, I, I think the the big problem there is is that kneel down in that situation is such a routine play. And, you know, teams forever have tried anything they could to to try to make happen exactly what happened. Um, but that kneel down is such a routine play that the refs are almost convinced that if anything weird does happen, there's no way it was legal. True. I To me, I almost think part of what came and haunted them there was the fact that I just Auburn, I don't think, takes any snaps under center. So I just don't know how often they really practice that. And I do think Arkansas got hosed. I really think if you look at it, and if they reviewed it truly, that that was a backwards pass. But it, it again, the, the officials came down on the side of Auburn. They get the field goal at the gun to win the game. Yeah, but man, good on Auburn. I mean, if you're if you're Sam Pittman and you're you know preaching to your team, like guys were, were right there. You know, yeah. I, I picked Arkansas to go zero and ten. Uh, yeah, shows you what I know. Well, we're still probably going to be right about Vanderbilt after South Carolina destroyed them this week. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but the, man, Vanderbilt's so sorry, but they barely had a team on Saturday. That's yeah, true. They only dressed like fifty kids. So that's that's just abysmal. Yeah, uh, I think they can play Hammond High School this Friday. And <laughs> yeah, but you talk about offenses. Adding to that, I think we had the record for the most points in SEC play ever in one week of offense. And most of that went with Alabama and Ole Miss 63, 48, you know, Nick Saban had to be throwing things in the locker room with how just lousy their defense was this week. Yeah. It goes back to, um, you know, like you said, their defense and across the whole conference has been abysmal. So I don't know what's yeah. happening. Um, except for Georgia, Georgia had the best defensive performance, uh, I've ever seen. So. Unless you, yeah, unless you include Kentucky, who only two of those points of all the point output that the SEC had this week came from Mississippi State. With all the, I mean, they were talking KJ Costello, the week one Heisman winner, and he got benched <laughs> in this game as Kentucky beats Mississippi State 24 to 2. Yeah, I, man, it, it's so weird, Chipley. Yeah, well, it's such a weird season. I mean, uh, it, it you know Mike Leach is is an insane person. It may is, he really is. The we definitely opened up that first week saying the air raid may work in the SEC, and I think we're starting to see that it probably will not. The defenses watched the videotape too, so that is true. Uh, just a couple of other of the national games that went big North Carolina, I think is a really good team. I think they might have a chance to challenge Clemson at the end of the year. Um, I mean, they hung a lot of points on Virginia tech, but they also had a lot of points scored again. I think it's that defensive issue that a lot of teams are just having problems establishing a defense, including Texas and Oklahoma. And as we've both said on this show, many times, Texas isn't back yet. No, nah, Texas will never be back that game was one for the ages. And it, what makes me so sad about that game, is, and that game every year tends to be, you know, really, really close. I um, love seeing a Big 12 shootout like that. But, I mean, 
Texas was barely ranked and Oklahoma wasn't. And yeah. it was still a shootout. It was still great. But man, if that game had any sort of real implications on like the national scene, you know, what what a game that could have been. <laughs> you uh I, absolutely. Of course, it was the best obviously meme and image that has come out of this season so far was the the two Texas girls, the one flipping off <laughs> somebody. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was she great. Got the uh, the LSU girl that <laughs> just glaring at the camera. Yeah. Oh, you got to love some of these memes. I don't know if I'd want to be a meme. I no. just don't know. I don't know if I'd want to. No, I, w- I 100% wouldn't. Um, yeah. Maybe in, in like 10 or 15 years when I'm kind of, you know, when I'm old and past it. But like <laughs> I, I, I'm too into all Twitter and stuff right now that if I see myself yeah. being used. And, and, hey, I love people laughing at me. That's my whole thing. Right, yeah. But let me control that. Now, if I could get, if I become a meme, but it also gets a bunch more people to listen to this fine podcast, then by all means, I will become a meme for crying out loud. For sure. I would love that. Um, Just again, Clemson taking care of Miami, showing Miami's not all the way back yet either. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. The ACC right now is just, it. it's Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. Uh, I mean, North Carolina did, they hung a bunch of points, but I, I don't think anybody's going to be coming out of the ACC for at least a couple more years. Yeah, I I agree. And we've got one more week of football, and we'll make these picks um, coming up here at the end of the show. We've got one more week until the Big Ten starts. So we've got this week, and then the Big Ten gets going. So that'll add even more uh, picks and probably terrible defenses into our world of college football, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. That's how you, that's why you budget your, your betting. You know, you only have, it's like, okay, I can only afford to lose this much money, uh, gambling. So it's gotta have a bankroll, good bankroll management. We both play poker. We know all about bankroll management. Exactly. Well, moving just real quick to some of the other things in sports around the globe, as we say that. I say mostly globe. It's mostly stuff that happened here uh, in America. But the Lakers getting their championship, I believe I had it when I said they were going to beat the Heat in six games. Uh, The Lakers dominating there in game six and giving LeBron James his fourth championship, his third uh, or on his third team. And his fourth MVP, which puts him again in that rare company with uh, Michael Jordan and Kareem and those guys. So hats off to him for getting just really this is a legacy title more than anything when you talk about what uh, LeBron has been able to do with the Lakers. Yeah, man, I I, I don't want to, to be on record as being a LeBron hater. I really don't. Right. But man, this is the Mickey Mouse ring. Like, we can argue till we're blue in the face, uh, you know, with anybody. Some people say that it's it's the Mickey Mouse ring. It doesn't really count. You played in the bubble. You played half a season, put an asterisk by it. And then there's a camp of people that say that, man, we they won a championship in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, But, man, my hats are off. Hats. My hat is off uh, to the Heat. I mean, they were not supposed to be there. Uh, came up against a Laker team that we, we knew pre-COVID was probably going to be there. Um, but uh, for them, you know, for them to win two games in that final was just incredible. Uh, man, I, LeBron, LeBron is is a great player. He really yep. is. But anybody on this earth that says he's the greatest to lace up and play the game of basketball is just incorrect. No, that is true. I agree with you on that. Uh, but I'm, I mean, Anthony Davis finally getting a ring, which is good. Jimmy Butler, man, though, with the Heat. I love him. Chase talked so much about him. I love his work ethic. I hope the Heat can come back and be a force because I love watching Jimmy Butler uh, play the game of basketball. And I, I mean, to me, you talk about hats off to everybody. Hats off to me to everybody down there in the bubble there with the NBA. They had zero positive COVID tests for everybody in the bubble. So I think they ran it well. And they were able to, obviously, with NBA, you could, and the NHL, you could really do a bubble more than you really could with baseball or with football. But they did it, and they did it right, and they did it well. So well done by them. 
Yeah, for sure, man. I, I actually saw uh, something on Twitter today. Um, man, the staff inside the bubble, the cooks were making 4,000 meals every day. Um, seven days a week, did not miss, you know, didn't miss one meal. That's awesome. Hats off to them. Um, I, I'm hoping by the time next basketball re- season rolls around, we're not going to have to deal with a bubble. Yeah, I, I like that too. I'm, I guess they're, I don't know when their plans for it to happen because obviously, I mean, shoot, normally we'd be about two weeks from the regular season of the NBA starting already because usually it wraps up in June, but of course they had to push it back because of COVID. I think they're looking for maybe a January start. Hopefully by then, yeah, you could do it back in everybody's home arena and feel a lot more normalcy when it comes to that. Yeah, I I think, and we, we've talked about this before. I think, um, I think the NBA plays way too many games, way too many. I think this upcoming season could be, you know, a chance to, to cut down those games and see how it plays out. Play 60 instead of 80. I agree. I think, yeah, I'd start maybe dropping it to 70. We'll kind of see where that goes. Uh, but again, I like what they were able to do and just keep everybody as safe as humanly possible. Meanwhile, you've got October baseball that I'm always just a huge fan of. You've got the Braves. The Braves, as we are recording this, are on the cusp of taking a 2-0 series lead in this best-of-seven series with the Dodgers as they were up 6-0 in the bottom of the sixth inning. The Braves are looking pretty good, and especially because the Dodgers were the favorites going into all of this. Maybe the Braves, for once, aren't going to gag it in the playoffs like they are so wanting to do. Yeah, man, but anybody like myself that was a fan of the Braves in the 90s, we know better. It's just like being a Tennessee fan, man. Yep. Just anybody in the East Tennessee region, it's just just not been. It's been a nightmare. (laughs) Tennessee basketball, the Atlanta Braves, and Tennessee football, buddy. It's just – we – we don't count our chickens until they've hatched. Yes, absolutely. Meanwhile, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays are already up two games to nothing uh, on the Houston Astros, which personally I like because, yes, the Astros, great team, but they got busted for cheating. I just don't want them to win this, to be perfectly yeah, I, honest. I think I cannot believe that they don't the, – the, when the season opened and they were getting beamed every game – uh, I I don't know, man. It's so hard to prove exactly what was happening and who was doing what. But I mean, it, you just baseball has the, these unwritten rules, man, and you don't yeah. break them. And, and if you do break them, there's got to be a, a bigger consequence other than basically nothing. Right. Well, there's certain unwritten rules that I just don't agree with. Like. Personally, I don't care about bat flips. You want to flip your bat, go right ahead. Oh, yeah. It, no, yeah, yeah. And yeah. all those things are, or, um, you know, trying to bunt to break up a no-hitter. It's like, no, get the guy out. You're pl- Or swinging away, you know, or trying to hit big when you're already up eight to nothing. And I was like, there's no time limit in baseball. I've seen teams come back from an eight-nothing deficit to win a game. I'm still going to keep trying to score runs. Exactly. Yeah, keep the gas on. Yeah, I, I think yep. baseball is unlike any other sport, man. And yep. it's for that reason. There is no time limit. Yeah, the closest thing to me comes in cricket. I think is about the closest you're going to get when you talk about a game without a time limit. Yeah, or uh, any even like tennis doesn't have a time limit, but there is a score limit. Right, that's true. Yeah, that's true. baseball is it's just so different. And yeah. a lot of those unwritten rules are – you know, I do think we can throw them out, but you don't steal signals. You don't steal no. signals. You don't distract. You know, you don't pull an A rod and scream at a guy that's trying to catch a ball. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, man, you're, they're paying you millions of dollars. Why don't you watch some film or something? Exactly. Ball instead of knowing it's coming. <laughs> and so far, I think one of the things that the Astros, they got lucky with the pandemic because if they had played this full season, uh, and they had to be in front of away crowds. They were going to get booed, and things were just going to happen to them all season long. Uh, I don't – yeah, I mean, I still think that's coming. <laughs> oh, I think it might be coming next season, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, they're going to get theirs, um, you know, Lord willing. You mentioned uh, tennis as another game without a clock. Congratulations, first of all, to 
uh, this teenager, 19-year-old from Poland, Iga Swiatek, uh, beating Sofia Kennan for the Women's French Open title, the youngest person to win the French Open since Monica Seles back in the early 90s. Uh, so congratulations to her. And then, of course, Rafael Nadal, proving he's still pretty good at the tennis, especially on clay, winning his 13th French Open championship. <laughs> that's a lot. That's Yeah, that's a ton, man. And, and let alone factually, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, your good pal uh, Trey was was quite the tennis player back in high school. Oh, uh, wow. I, I was, man. We, we can talk about that off air. Uh, <laughs> because it, it, it was interesting. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I will say this. Tennis is a young man's game, you, you would think, until you have someone like Nadal come out there and, and yeah. win – and continue to dominate. So it's yeah. It, it now things are much different on clay. You know, mm-hmm. you're kinda, you're getting that extra step with that slide, um, and people aren't used to it. So I mean, it's tennis is such such a wily sport. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, and you talk about the the youth. I keep waiting for more uh, younger males to come up in tennis because you've still got Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer are by far your top three guys above and beyond everybody else. I mean, I think the only reason that Jokovic didn't win the U.S. Open was because he got himself disqualified for hitting the line judge like an idiot. No, oh, that was so insane. That was that such, was, no. It's been such a weird year. Man, yeah. Well, we're going to have to play some Mario Tennis then at some point on the on the Switch. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, that was the way I learned, because I always got the idea of tennis like as a kid, but I never really understood how the scoring and how it all really, really worked until I played Mario Tennis on the N64. And I was like, oh, this is how this all works. I love Mario Tennis, especially the new ones, man. It's it's really great. Yeah, yeah, that is a story for another time. Let's jump right into the NFL real quick. Uh, the Titans up 21 to 10 as we speak. So the Titans, at least so far halfway through this game, not showing any rust from not having played a football game in 16 days. So that's at least something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the NFL anymore, man, you're, you're making so much money. If you're, if you're showing rust, there's a problem. That's, you know, you got to stay sharp at all times. Absolutely. A couple of other of the scores. Do you really think that Tom Brady forgot what down it was as they lost yes. as the Buccaneers lost? 100%. My greatest of all time would never. <laughs> the sheriff always knew what down it was. Yes. Um, I, I don't, man. That's such a weird play. Uh, I mean, but if you would have asked me if did I really think J.R. Smith didn't know <laughs> what the score was, I would have said there's no way. Yeah, but that really happened, man. It's it's people still drop the ball. Tom Brady doesn't know what down it is. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Agreed. Agreed. Just this one pretty much cost them the game. Meanwhile, you look at and this is why, again, the Chiefs losing to the Raiders at home. But again, this is why I'm never going to predict a team to go undefeated. Like everybody after the first few weeks was saying, oh, the Chiefs are going to go undefeated. It's like, no, 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 no. They got to play their rivals out in the AFC West, which is not, again, to me, the best division in the NFL, but they still play all these teams. There's a lot of familiarity. The Raiders came out and balled the Chiefs at home, which was pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big Raiders fan myself. Uh, I like Gruden a lot. Um, the Jason Witten's playing for him, which blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You can't pick anybody to go undefeated. No. Heck, the, the Patriots were 18-0 or 17-0, whatever they were. And I was like, they're not. The Giants are going to get them here. They got them. That was a great Super Bowl. My God, that was yeah. just amazing. Um, You know, the biggest story to me over the weekend, besides my beloved 49ers just getting housed at home by the Dolphins 43-17, to they benched Garoppolo for crying out loud. That wasn't good. Um, The biggest story for me was uh, Alex Smith returning to play for the Washington football team after that just horrific uh, leg injury that happened to him back in 2018. It was great to see him. Now, again, he didn't do great. I mean, 19 to 17, 37 yards, and he got sacked six times. But (laughs) just the fact that he was able to make it out on the field was a miracle. Yep. it was. uh, They said that his injury was life-threatening, man. Yeah. to come back from that, 
um, you know, an injury sustained in football. And you you know my injury list. We've gone over it 100 yeah. times. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of the hardest things to do, man. It, people talk about, you know, being a, a NASCAR driver and coming back from the wreck is the hardest thing to do psychologically. Uh, but, man, being a quarterback when you, you, you could have died – uh, out on that field and you come back and stand in that pocket, not only do you stand in the pocket, but you stand up back there and get sacked six times and you kept getting up and getting back under center. I mean, you, you can't say enough about that guy. No, all all the credit. I mean, I liked him. He, uh, I mean, without Colin Kaepernick being there, Alex Smith could still be the quarterback of the my beloved 49ers if things had gone a certain way uh, out there. So, I mean, you have those things that went on. And again, Anybody who's watched the Washington football team and is familiar with it remembers Joe Theismann back in the day when Lawrence Taylor sacked him and just shattered his leg so much that Lawrence Taylor was freaking out after he tackled him. He looked down and saw the leg and the way Joe Theismann's leg looked. And he's like, medic, medic, get out here. That was horrible. Yeah, LT said later in his life he thought he killed him. Yeah. And, I mean, that was uh, pretty much on par. And Joe Theismann never played football again, I think, after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, different time for sure. But, I mean, I don't know. If somebody snaps their leg that way, now I don't know if you're coming back from that in 2020. No, No, absolutely not. All right, well, you ready to make some college football picks, see if we can do better this week than we did last week? Let's lose some money. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The first one we've got, this one to me is really interesting because especially after maybe South Carolina kind of got their legs underneath them, which, hey, any team in the SEC is going to get healthy against Vanderbilt, which is what South Carolina did. But they are playing an Auburn team that hasn't really looked crisp at all so far this season. Uh, it's Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn is only a three-point favorite. Yeah, I, I hate to do this so early, man. But <laughs> I think you need to go to the bank. And I think you need to take out some money. They got as much money as they will possibly give you because Auburn is going to beat them by two touchdowns, man. Take, yeah, it's not going to be a close. Take take that all day long. South Carolina, you know, beat the heck out of Vanderbilt. Good for them. <laughs> you know, they beat the heck out of Harriman High School. Yeah. I get it. Uh, but, no, Auburn's going to beat them by two touchdowns. Fair enough. You've got LSU, again, the first defending national champion since 1998 with Michigan coming in at 1-2, and two, facing a Florida team that's coming off, again, with us, a surprising loss to um, surprising loss to Texas A&M. Uh, Florida is an 11.5-point favorite facing LSU in the swamp. Now, again, credit to the administration there at Florida saying, no, we are not going to pack the swamp, no matter how much Dan Mullen says we need to. Um, I've got Florida winning this game pretty handily. I'd almost take Florida in the points in this one. Yeah, man, I, I'm i going to have to agree with you as much as I hate this stupid football team. I do, uh, too. I've already used my cuss word this season. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they, man, if... If Florida hadn't lost last week, I would take LSU uh, to stay within that 11.5. But, no, Florida's going to come out ready to play. I think they win big. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah, I think Florida's going to run away with that one. Let's see here as we scan it. Do we see Mississippi State turning things around against Texas A&M this week? Because it's in Starkville. Texas A&M only six and a half point favorite, but I still just think I've got A&M in that one. Yeah, I do too. Um, I think that uh, for the same reason that uh, I think Florida will kill LSU, I think A&M's coming in confidence high, uh, but not cocky. You know what I mean? I, I think they're going to come in there and just really take care of business. Okay. Now, one of the things I'm 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 not going to pick it out right. But you've got North Carolina and Florida State. It's in Tallahassee. Florida State hung around with Notre Dame for much of that game. Florida State did beat the spread. Um, but North Carolina is a 13-point favorite. I'm, I'm going to pick North Carolina to win that game, but I've still got Florida State, I think, covering. Yeah, I. this is my game I'm staying away from this week, man. I, okay. I 
I do think that either one, um, I, I think North Carolina could get on a roll and just really run away with that game. Um, but Florida State is uh, they're they're not the Florida State of old, um, but there is still something about that program that th- they can get up for a big game. That is very true. Uh, of course, the game of the week, besides of course the Big Orange, uh, is going to be this Georgia Alabama game. It's number three versus number two. Alabama is a six point. Favorite. I think I'm going to tell you right now. To me personally, I loved what Georgia's defense was able to do, and I just don't know what Alabama's got. I think Georgia might be able to actually stop Alabama's offense enough, but the question's going to be, is Georgia going to be able to score some points as well with Stetson Bennett the fourth coming back there and just throwing those wounded duck passes that he throws? Yep, you nailed it on the head, man. I do think that – I agree with you. I think Georgia is going to be able to slow down Alabama's offense, but Georgia just does not have a quarterback, man. Bennett's listed at 5'11". He's closer to 5'9", 5'10", maybe. Um, he's just not going to be able to see over Alabama's line. Um, yeah, I definitely take Alabama winning there. Uh, I hope this doesn't remain true, but I don't think Al- I don't think Alabama is going to lose to or Nick Saban's not going to lose to any of his former assistants until next week. That and that could very well happen. Honestly, I'm almost hoping for say like a six overtime game or something like that because then if that happens, then they maybe they'll be worn out a little bit more uh, and they won't have to uh, they, they won't be as big against uh, Tennessee. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that game, though. Yeah. All right, so before we uh, pick the Tennessee game, just the one touch on professional wrestling I want to get to is that AEW is celebrating their anniversary show. They've been around now for one year on Dynamite, which is just amazing, and all four championships are on the line. You've got Cody defending the TNT Championship against Orange Cassidy, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. You've got FTR, the former revival in the WWE, taking on best friends for the tag team championship. Hikaru Shida is defending the women's world championship against Big Swole. And then, of course, you've got John Moxley defending his AEW world championship against Lance Archer. Honestly, I've got all champions retaining out of those four matches, but they should be fun to watch. I've loved watching Dynamite. Yeah, man, it's I, nothing makes me happier than the fact that AEW has, has pretty much. It, obviously, we're not out of the woods yet, but they have, for the most part, weathered the storm. I mean, that was definitely the big concern when COVID hit that they were going to go under. Um, but ha, you know, having that TNT partnership definitely kept them afloat. But man, AEW has been awesome. I, I do think it's the best wrestling promotion uh, that's out right now. Uh, I do agree. I think all champions will retain. If anybody's going to drop, it'll be Cody, um, just because you know what a guy. Yeah, he 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 just got that title back in a great dog collar match. So we will have to see. But let's go back to college football as we wrap this up. As always, the Big Orange, the former Battle of the Beer Barrel, which I wish they'd bring back. In all honesty, you've got Tennessee. A two and one taking on a Kentucky team that has been in all of their games. I mean, they lose by missing an extra point in overtime against uh, against Ole Miss, and then they were in it with Auburn for much of that game. So Kentucky again, and they always fight Tennessee hard. But Tennessee, it's a noon kickoff on the SEC Network. I'm, Tennessee is a six point favorite. I think Tennessee, again, is going to be able to beat up on everybody that's not Florida, Georgia, and and, uh, Alabama this season. I've got Tennessee winning this game. I'm going to say 31-21. to Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that uh, if Garantano can make some of the throws um, like he made to Palmer in that Georgia game, uh, just with a little more time, if he can just make some better decisions, I don't think this game will be close at all. Uh, I think TVA gets it back on track. Um, you know, there's no little boy holding his finger in the dam anymore. Uh, I think they patch up the holes. Uh, I'm going to take Tennessee 
21, uh, Kentucky 3. I think the, the defense almost pitches a shutout. I like to hear it. I'd love to see a shutout. I can't remember the last time we shut out an SEC opponent anyway, so that would be really fun to see. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Man in the Arena podcast. But, Trey, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at Trey Pack, T-R-E-P-A-C-K. You can find me on Instagram at Trey Pack 1. Uh, you can find me on the Facebooks uh, to see where I'm going to be telling the jokes. And you can find me and Shibley on the Sagas and Shenanigans podcast where we're over there uh, doing the yucks in fantasy world. Yeah, it's amazing. We've got something really interesting planned coming up. Uh, our Dungeon Master Boston on the uh, BRB AFK podcast, he's our Dungeon Master, uh, got something spooky for spooky season coming up, which I'm really interested to see what our characters are going to be able to take on there. Love it. And, of course, you can find me, Michael underscore Shibley, on Twitter. And, of course, you can look up the Man in the Arena podcast both on Facebook and on Instagram post updates and all types of glorious things there as well. And of course, wherever you get your fine podcast, wherever you listen, please, of course, give us those five star reviews, not only for this podcast, but again, for BRB AFK or video game podcast, geeks and hair to the earth, the sagas and shenanigans podcast, all of them, please. Again, those five star reviews, we'd love you forever for every one of those that we get. And of course, Chase Dyer and friends podcast wild with a Y which should be getting, uh, they did their pilot last week. They're going to get their stuff a little more off the ground here in the coming weeks. Uh, and again, Trey, always a pleasure having you on. And happy birthday to your dad. It's uh, what, tomorrow yeah, as of this recording? Tomorrow, yeah, the man is going to be, uh, is he, yeah, he's going to be 60 whole years old. So Woo! he's, yeah, that's the big one for him. So I'm super excited. And he, he has been listening every week. So happy birthday, Pop. I know this will come out a little bit late, but, uh, you know, we definitely definitely appreciate you listening and, and always being there for us. Excellent. I appreciate all the fans that we have. Well, Trey, hopefully uh, next week we'll be talking about a Tennessee win over Kentucky and get ready for the big old Alabama matchup. But uh, until next week, uh, too sweet. See you guys next week. Bye.